Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Put On Waivers Podcast with your host, Dwayne Douglas, on the POW Sports Podcast Network. So whether it's the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, or even hockey, nah, forget about hockey. Now, for the best in sports talk, come along for the ride with the Put On Waivers Podcast. Here's your host, Dwayne Douglas. So, you're a philosopher? Yes. Welcome everybody to the Put On Waivers podcast. We are 10 years old this time. This, this, time, this time of year, 10, 10 episodes in. I'm doing a great job. I'm trying to give you our thoughts about the world of sports. I'm here with my partner, I'm James Amato. Mike Orlando has the night off. At Put On Waivers and at Raiders Today are the Twitter handles and the websites are www.putonwaivers.com and www.raiderstoday.com. The text line is 213-634-5428. If you want to text us, let us answer some questions online. We had a little bit of a fiasco with a call last week, but we're over that. Um <laughs> Create culture, create culture is clothing for a cause. You want to support um, various charities like um, feeding, feeding, feeding young children who are in need and um, breast cancer awareness, then definitely um, go to createcultureco.com. That's createcultureco.com. And then Brown Bales Bond, if you ever get in trouble, with the law or anything like that, eight six zero five five nine two one five seven to get out of a out of a pickle, if you will. Um, the, I know people are patiently awaiting for the Raiders Today podcast. The first one will be coming this weekend, so we'll have that out for you guys as well. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the Put On Waivers podcast. The analytics are in, and we are every week. We are getting more and more unique listeners, which is what everybody's looking for. So we thank you guys for um, for tuning in to the podcast. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So the the Jets, who are one of those franchises that, you know, people make fun of, butt fumble and all and everything like that. That's, that's the organization that Bill Belichick, um, you know, was a coach for a, a hot second, if you will, before he went to New England and won 20 million championships. They are trying to get a quarterback. Um, they moved from six to three to get that quarterback and the trade with the Indianapolis Colts. I think if the Indianapolis Colts play their cards right, this trade could work out. I mean, it's one of those unique deals where the trade can work out for both teams. But the Jets moving from six to three, your thoughts on that move and um, – after you're done with that, we'll talk about um, how it helps the Colts in the future. Yeah. Um, so I was up in Maine this past weekend, and I knew nothing about the trade because it happened over the weekend. I was about a mile, mile and a half from Canada. No reception. I was actually listening to the radio this morning when I heard the Jets moved up to number three, so really looking into the trade. It's a great trade for the Jets. The Jets need a quarterback. 
is their chance to shine. There's probably three really good quarterbacks. They're in a position to get one of those quarterbacks. Um, it's been a long time coming for them. The Colts don't need a quarterback, you know, and, and we're going to get to the Colts shortly, so it's a good trade for them. Um, help one of the Patriots' rivals by hopefully getting them a quarterback. And um, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do. They, it, they should get a quarterback out of this. I, I mean, they are the Jets. So, you know, they have that hanging over them. Mammoth sold his soul to win a Super Bowl against the Colts back in the day. So um, maybe they're trying to reverse some history here with that. But it's um, it's interesting. I really, really can't wait to see what the Jets do with this. And uh, hopefully they don't blow it. Um, obviously, teams can still move into the two slot, but I doubt that's going to happen. Um, if you're a Jet fan, this is going to probably – be the happiest you've been in a while, um, just where they are going into the draft. It's different when you being a Raider fan, like, and like this is good, my perspective on that part of it. It's different when you, you get your own guy, like for, like for, for years and years and years, whether it was, uh, Kerry Collins, whether it was Aaron Brooks, whether it was, you know, any, any, any one of a number of free agent quarterbacks, I feel some kind of way about Derek Carr because he was there from day one. I think the same thing for you guys in New England. You got you love Brady to death because he was there from um, you know, since day one. He wasn't a guy who just was on another team and you traded for him, or he was a free agent like a Hosteller or somebody like that from back in the day when the Raiders had Hosteller. Um, this is a, this is a time that the, the Jets have had a bunch of quarterbacks who have been guys who have been either traded traded for or acquired a free agency. Somebody else's guy. This is a time for the Jets to kind of put their, you know, McCagnan and Bowles to put their stamp of approval and and, and just show they can build and put the Jets in the right direction. I don't know who, I don't know which quarterback is going to fall to them. The biggest key in this whole thing to me is what the Giants do at two. Um, you know, do they go for the quarterback, the Giants, and and kind of, you know, do what do do a, make an unpopular pick there where. You know, they could get a, a really special player at two who can help them now, or do the Giants, you know, trade that pick, drop all the way back where Buffalo is and let Buffalo go get a quarterback as well. The only downside to this deal, I would say, for the Jets is that you don't get you don't get your guy. You know, I mean, you have to wait and see what happens ahead of you, but you are guaranteed to at least get one of the three guys so it helps. So it helps the Jets there. For the Colts, um, you know, the Colts are a team that they are slowly but surely just, just trying to grab every defensive player they can in the offseason. They've been doing a pretty good job of that. And then on top of this, they have an opportunity to maybe get a to get a Bradley Chubb or get somebody like that who can make a Fitzpatrick who can really help them in the um in the long in the long haul and and they also get a bunch of um second round picks from the um their own pick and then a couple of picks that the Jets have as well. So, you know, the Colts can really, if they are, if, if Ballard can, you know, really focus here, he can really improve this, this Colts team a great deal in this one off season if they can get number 12 healthy. Yeah, again, it's very interesting when you think about where everything's falling into place. The Giants love Eli Manning, I think one of the most amazing stats I heard today is Eli's only eight games above 500 um, in his career. Um, and he, you know, 
could very well finish his career under 500 as a starting quarterback uh, with two Super Bowl titles. So I know it's a, it's a topic for another show, but where does Eli fall? Because Giant fans put him on the pedestal as a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, and, you know, he's won two Super Bowls, two lucky plays. Not going to get into it any further than that. Um, but, yeah, the Jets are really – they're, they're going to get a quarterback. They're going to get one of the three quarterbacks. Now, we're not talking 1983, uh, which, by the way, was a draft that the Jets did mess up when they, when they picked Kenny O'Brien. Um, but it, it'll be interesting who falls into their place. Like, I don't see the – the Giants could possibly trade out of the number two, uh, but the Jets still get a quarterback. You know, I, I just yeah. think their love affair with Manning moved out a couple spots, maybe get the player they still feel they can get for the Giants. But the Jets, Jets are in a really good place, you know, and I, this is the Cagnan's pick. This is going to be his signature move. This is going to be his, you know, his Drew Bledsoe versus Rick Meyer, you know, and I know it's not the number one pick, but he really cannot miss on this pick one, you know, when it, the bottom line, when it comes down to it. His his job his 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 job is on the line. His kids in like a lot of, in a lot of ways, you should look at it as his career is on the line. They have not won a lot of games in New York with um, with him in um, in Bowles at the helm. So, and he had a, he had a choice of a lot of people, and he, and he took and he took Bowles as the head coach. So we'll have to see how um, the Jets kind of handle that. I, I, I do I do think for the I do think for the uh, for the Colts. I mean they could end up I mean when they were when they were humming, when they were playing great football, they had Mathis on one end and then they had um Freeney on the other end. And and then, you know, that quarterback would get them a lead and then you have to go against those two for <laughs> those two. Good luck trying to pass the ball against the Colts in that situation. They need to get back to that. They need to get back to having you know, a two D two D two really quick defensive ends who can rush the quarterback in the fourth quarter um, to protecting a lead that, you know, hopefully for them, Andrew Luck can provide for them um, going forward with the, um, with the Indianapolis Colts. We'll have to see what happens with the Colts there. I don't, you know, Brissett did, a, did an admirable job, but he's not, you know, he's not a guy who is the guy. Um, and it's crazy to think about the quarterback room that started in the New England that started last year for New England. They had Brady, Garoppolo and um, Jacoby Brissett in that room, and that's a, that probably that probably was one of the best quarterback rooms in the in the in the NFL. All three of them are now starting for three different teams. Um, so Dalek and Sue was on his way to Oakland, and somehow ended up back at his house after he left the Rams. <laughs> um, the the Ram, to me, I mean, listen, it was kind of a I'm not sure where they the Raiders. Well, I'm looking at the Raiders cap situation. Um, I didn't really want to cut like three or four guys who, or trade three or four guys to to get Sue. I mean, I love. I I think he would have been he would have been lights out with with Mac on the, Mac and Bruce Irvin on the same defensive line. Um, but I think he found a I think he found a home, and I think um, if he if he goes to the Los Angeles Rams, you're talking about one of the. I mean, Wade Phillips is just he must he, he was he probably is sitting there can't wait for the season to start because. With the what they did in the defensive secondary, the draft hasn't even started yet, so they can so so they can prove themselves there as well. But you know you have Sue, you have um, you know um, you have Arnold in there. I mean they they have that, that, that the, the defensive tackle situation is going to be incredible. Um, but if Sue goes to the Rams, I mean I think it's almost you know 
the final four a bust for the for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I mean, you're talking basically if he does sign with the Rams, they are the on paper favorite Super Bowl champions. Um, you really have to like it. Of course, play the season out, see where it goes. The Rams are close this year. Um, you know, came out to shock people, so let's take it to the next level. And of course, when you do have a good season after having a not so great season, you do fall into the harder schedule. So we always have to see how that falls for any NFL team. But uh, I, I like what they're doing in Los Angeles. And you know what? You you have to build a winner out there. You know, every team left Los Angeles because they just weren't drawing interest. They just weren't drawing fans. They are going to get that new stadium eventually. Um, get a winner out there. Get interest in the team. And, uh, you know, it, it's, again, on paper, you you would have to make them the best team in the NFL just with everything falling into place. Can Goff continue it? You'd hope so. Um, you know, Goff was one of those players who came out very highly rated in the draft. Didn't have a first good season and then just really pulled it on recently. And and that talent was there. And, again, just getting the adjustment to the NFL. They let him get slowly. Yeah, in and then he had, Los Angeles. And then, yeah, and then James, he had the disease of a head coach in the first year. So, Jeff Fisher yes. can be a disease to a quarterback in the first yeah. year. So, uh, I won't even count his first year, his rookie year, but – I think, I'm going to think, like I said, they are – them and the Vikings, uh, if you, I mean, they have a, almost like a, you know, a closing course, if you will, to the NFC Championship game um, if they're able to do it. I mean, the Eagles are going to be there too, no question about it. Yet they're going to get Wentz back. But um, the, those two teams have really geared up to get that. you got uh, Aaron Donald and Sue possibly being um, – Possibly being teammates on that same on that same defensive on um, that same defensive line that's going to be pretty scary for opposing teams. So um, state of franchise now where we kind of look at a couple of NFL teams in the, um, in the off season here, seeing what they're doing in free agency. Take, 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 take a little gander back at the season and what they have going forward now. Um, one of the teams that I think in the AFC. Who is who looks? They just look really good on paper going into this next season. Is the um, Tennessee Titans? Um, they have the quarterback. They have that, um, you know, the strength of that one playoff win against the Chiefs, where Andy Reid, as he always does, forgets that he can hand the ball off to a running back, especially when that running back is the league leader in yardage. But you have Rabel, you have um, Matt Lafleur, who I love. He's going to be a head coach one day. Um, he was the offensive coordinator with the Rams, did a, did a really good job for Sean McVay. And Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, who was with the um, uh, Baltimore Ravens for a very for 10 years there. They pick up Malcolm Butler, pick up a couple of Patriots, um, um, Malcolm Butler and then Deion Lewis as well. Deion Lewis will be a great um, change of pace back for, for that team. Thoughts on the, on the Titans going forward next year. And what do you think maybe in the draft they, they might need? Yeah, the Titans really have impressed me this offseason. Um, just, again, a different environment, different feel than in the past, really thinking things out. Um, again, depending on what the Colts do, they're in that same division. Um, they're, they're not that far away. I mean, they, they have a quarterback in place. Um, picking up the right players. I think they're going to look for some a little defensive help. That's what hurt them most in the postseason. Um, just really want to build on that. 
Um, I like what they're doing. They have a lot going on, obviously, with what's going on with ownership there and with the two sisters not getting along with what they want to do with the team. But other than that, the Titans should be in a nice place to make a run. You know, coming off what we were just discussing between the Rams and the Eagles and the Vikings, it's the NFC has the three best teams in the league right now. Uh, but the Titans are slowly coming up and they're, uh, the one big thing is with what's going on with the, you know, trying to sell the ownership is they're not investing in the high price free agents. So they're kind of bringing in that, you know, yeah, they, they went after Malcolm Butler and, and they brought in Deion Lewis, but what they're doing otherwise is they're really just under the radar looking for the players who fit their systems. And again, you know, Vrabel learned a lot, not only playing for Belichick, but also, you know, coaching with the Patriots and, and, and moving players around. So, um, and Jay, you, you know like what I like doing. about what, what I like about Vrabel um, as well, and why I think he might be successful. Number one, he's not, he's, some of these new coaches, they get scared and they don't hire strong, strong offensive and defensive coordinators. Like, like he, he wasn't afraid to do that. Dean Pease is, very, very well respected, and Matt Matt Lafleur is 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 on the come as far as being a guy who has a chance to be a um, head coach maybe down the road. If his if his if what he did with the Rams translates to what he what could happen with the Tennessee Titans, um, and also he didn't take the first job like he was offered other jobs, and he just waited and he kind of waited his turn, and he's a younger guy. I mean. I, I remember Babel playing, so it's not like he didn't play that long ago. So for him, he was smart enough to say, hey, I'm not going to take the first job that comes out. And if you get a job and, and get a job with a quarterback as well, I mean, that's just like, that's golden. I mean, you can't even ask for that because most jobs when you get one in the NFL, you don't have a quarterback. So um, I, I like I like the Titans. And can you imagine this division? Like if Andrew Luck is able to come back to be, let's say, 87% of what Andrew Luck is, you got Luck. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then you got the Titans in the same division. That should be a good race um, there in the AFC South. Um, yeah, re- really good division building up there. And, you know, Vrabel, again, one of those players who with the Patriots um, played some offense, not only on defense. So, like, you know, he knows what type of player to look for. And, again, why, you know, the whole thing about bringing in a strong coordinators I don't get why why guys don't do that I, I really don't you want to make your mark um, smart choice by him it was Billy Martin who once said you're hired to be fired anyway so you know every job you take you're eventually going to lose you know unless you're Bill Belichick um, and, and be there that long but exactly. if you want to make an impact right away just bring in the right people around you and you're starting to see it too in, in Major League Baseball just to, to jump over a little bit but you're getting these young managers, but they're bringing in those veteran coaches, like a bench coach, someone who's been there before, just to support and, and bounce off. Yeah, the general manager is going to go with all the stats there, but every once in a while, you do need that gut move. But I, I like what the Titans are doing. You know, at first last year, when they made the playoffs, I thought they were a team that had backed in and maybe weren't that good. But after watching their first playoff game, they, they really impressed me. Um, they didn't quit in that game. It, it, it would have been the way that Chiefs was steamrolling them in that first half. It would have been very easy for them to quit um, in that in that game and, and get rolled by Kansas City. But we know how that ended. Um, yeah. Speaking of speaking of really talented offensive coordinators, I've always been a North Turner fan. So when North Turner came back into the football, I was um, kind of happy to see it, and I think he's going to really help a guy like Cam Newton. 
He is the offensive coordinator now for the um, Carolina Panthers. I love I love him. I, I think he, he, he spreads the ball around. He forces you to that old saying where you have to defend every blade of grass. <laughs> um, he, he, he's able to do that. And I think the, the power running game and the play action, the play action, um, act, the play action um, passing where you throw the ball deep down the field. No, Turner likes to throw the ball for chunks. I'm not sure how you feel about Cam Newton, but, I, but, I, but I, however you feel, the arm is there, and I think he could definitely uh, have a really have a really nice season with a solid offensive coordinator like North Turner. Look, I'm a I'm a Cam Newton fan. I'm unabashed Cam Newton fan. I think he brings a lot of energy to the game. He has fun playing football, um, for especially you know in the no fun league of the NFL. Um, I enjoy watching him play, even you know what he did to the Patriots this year. He's great for the NFL. Again, marketed well. You know, listen up, Major League Baseball, yes. marketing your players. Um, yeah, and Norv Turner is just like one of the, you know, maybe not a very good head coach, but he's one of the great offensive coordinators of all time. And they, they're they in a really good situation with that. And, and I think, I really think Cam is going to, to thrive under Norv Turner. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't wait to see how that, how that all pans out. I like McCaffrey there. I think, I think, like, I think McCaffrey kind of got typecasted in the wrong, wrong role last year. He was, you can move him anywhere, um, but people, you, and you can't, you can't hand the ball off to him. But I think he's going to end up being kind of that slot receiver, um, maybe like an Amendola or uh, or Edelman more so than uh, than a guy who you hand the ball off to behind the behind the line of scrimmage. Um, but yeah, the, the um, they like I said, they're they're also in a tough division. When you got four teams in the division, you got they all four have franchise quarterbacks. Then you have to deal with a lot there. But um, you know, look for them to um, to bounce back. Um, Ron Rivera always, you know, he's a, he's a solid head coach, so I'm not I'm I'm not worried about him. Also, you mentioned something about the Titans and their situation with the ownership. You know. They're because of the insensitive or or issues that they had with their previous owner. They're for sale as well, so you have to see what that new um, that new ownership group is going to do with the Panthers going forward. Is that going to be? Are they going to be penny pinchers? Are they going to spend money? Like you know, you have, you have no idea um, how they're going to how they're going to run that team. You know, a lot of owners want to kind of stamp, get their put their stamp on a squad before they really um before they really go forward. So it'd be interesting to see who who um who buys the Carolina Panthers. I know I know P Diddy was trying to do something, but as much as much P Diddy has money, it's, it's a whole level of a whole level more money that you you have to do to to get to the NFL team status. And I'm not sure well, if yeah, they're, they're gonna let, I, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not sure the James are gonna let him into the to the all boys club of the ownership team of, of NFL of NFL squads. No, he he should probably look at the XFL or or even the AAFL. Oh. Um, but yeah, it looks like the the owner of Fanatics.com is in the lead to be a, a majority owner for the Panthers. The Panthers are in a you know they're in a good situation between them and the Titans. You know the Titans their ownership is old school money. Um, there's stakes and a lot of money spread throughout different businesses that they owned and invested in the team. Um, Jerry Richardson, you know, his statue will come down obviously, but the, um, 
I think you're in a good spot. Like of of any of the, the teams that are in any kind of like ownership changes or, you know, I think they're the most solid. Like I would not be shocked if the Titans moved um, as part of a sale, but I, I think the Panthers are, are deep in Carolina. They draw fans. They have a big following down there. Um, I go down to the Carolina area like pretty much every other year, and Panthers are, are, are huge down there. They're, they don't compare college football at all down there, you know, but the, the NFL fans down there in, in North Carolina love the, love the, not the Hornets, the Panthers, but they're in, you know, they're probably the most solid of anyone that's in an ownership kind of situation right now. I think they're, they're in the best place. And don't forget fanatics, uh, fanatic.com already has a relationship with the NFL. So in some way it'll be easier for them because, you know, they, they're familiar with the good old boy network. So getting in and getting approved will be much easier than a P Diddy or anyone else. I have to. I have to say that. See, and and this and this is why I love having James on the show. He has all that information. But um, the thing about um, finance. dot com. I mean, that's. I get an email from for them every day. I I can I gotta I gotta put my Apple Pay away, otherwise I I go broke <laughs> over there. With, um, they have some weird. That's a really cool apparel. Team apparel. Um, on finance. dot com. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, that but the, yeah that that would be that it'd be interesting to see where the where the Panthers the Panthers go with that if they if they the finance dot com guys um, end up on buying that um, buying the franchise. Take a quick break, thirty seconds, and then we'll be right back. We'll talk about the Saints as we go around the around the league with the state of the franchise. Required listening with Amazon Music. Dad music again. The greatest guitarist of all time. Wait, who? Alexa, add this song to a new playlist. Sure, what's the new playlist name? Jack's intro to classic rock. Adding Stepping Stone by Jimi Hendrix to Jack's intro to classic rock playlist. Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you and soon he will love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at AmazonMusic.com. Renews automatically, cancel anytime. I'm from L.A. Dot, California A. Hot, they got shade. Let me take you around the way. A lot of out of towners can't handle this city. Back on the Put On Waivers podcast, 213634-54428 is the text line. We have a text question from 413. I think that's the uh, Springfield area. James, who is your favorite Patriot of all time? Steve Grogan. Steve Grogan. Steve Grogan. Steve Grogan. Um, he, he he had the he had the um what, what, what they called it behind the neck the neck the the, the big the, he had the huge thing around around the back of his neck when he played. He, he had that big um I guess they called it like the the it was like the horse collar that like that you would use when um. Pulling sleds through the field. Um, Steve uh-huh. Rogan was, he is my all time favorite Patriot. Um, I have a bunch of Steve Rogan jerseys. I still have posters left over from the 70s. Um, at one point in my middle school life, I had a different Steve Rogan shirt for every day of the week. Um, he is my all time favorite Patriot. <laughs> and, got him. I, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and he's, you know, Probably my favorite Patriots quarterback of all time. <laughs> uh, be my favorite. That's so awesome. 
is um, is the band. You know, Grogan's Heroes. That's what I always name my fantasy football teams. Grogan's Heroes. Oh my goodness, that's unbelievable. My favorite. I'm playing about my my favorite Raider of all time is a Raider that nobody even knows really. You have to actually be a Raider fan to actually know who he was. It's a cornerback named Terry McDaniel. I just love. He just. I love that. But I, I feel like that is not, of all the positions on the football field. I just feel like it's one of the toughest positions in sports to cover somebody like that. This man-to-man coverage. He's always was a good player, up in your face, bump and run, just like Al Davis would. He wouldn't have you play cover two because Al, Al Davis didn't know what cover two was. You had to play, you know, the whole game man-to-man. He did a great. He did a great job of it, and he looked so much. He looked so similar to my father. That I had to make him my favorite player. Once he said his helmet off, I was like, "Oh my god!" He looks so much like my father. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh, he's my favorite player." But he, but he's one of my favorite players of all time. Tony McDaniel, um, on the Oakland Raiders, um, the Saints. Now, when the I got I got to get some backstory here because when the Saints traded Brandon Cooks to New England, I almost I, I almost flipped my bed over. I was like, "Oh God, here we go." Here we go. This is this is this is this is pocket Randy Moss. He's gonna have catches and two thousand yards and fourteen, you know, whatever, whatever, fourteen touchdowns and everything like that. And but the the, the Pats gave him a first round pick for that. Um, and most of the time, when you trade with the Patriots, they get the better they get the better of the deal. But this is one, and I think this this trade and the Garoppolo trade are trades where they didn't get the best of the deal because in last year's draft, the Saints had in just an all-time draft. I mean, you had they went up, they, the first round. They got Matt, Mark, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Ohio State. They got Ryan Ramchek. Then they picked up uh, Marcus Williams. I understand what happened with in Minnesota, but he's had a really good rookie year. And then after that. They pick up Alvin Kamara, who is Roger Craig on steroids. I mean, this guy is—he is, he is the ultimate do everything kind of back, where he can throw the throw them out of the backfield. He can run it behind. He can run it. He can, whatever, whatever you want to do, he can flank him out. Um, put him in the slot. Whatever you want to do with Alvin Kamara, he can do it because he—he—he he, he through the entire league last year. Um, as in his first year with the Saints. So I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm excited to watch this team play. Um, you know, you you already know about Breeze, you already know about Sean Payton, they always bring points to the table. But um defensively, I think they that's where they really made their mark last year. They they became a very you know, really balanced football team where the defense came to play as well. They were able to pick up Patrick Robinson from the um from the Eagles come play for for them as well. I, I really like the way the where the Saints is going. I really like where where the Saints are going next year. Uh, they're gonna be a tough team. Um, especially with the two years left um, they had with Drew Brees. Yeah, another NFC team just gearing up. And, you know, if you ask me, no player was impacted more by the Edelman injury than Brandon Cooks. It just really allowed teams to clamp down on him. And as good as Amendola was, you know, it just really, that was, the one that that impacted the most, where he he really felt it, and I like Chris Hogan, but Chris Hogan is not Julian Edelman. Edelman is much a much better player. He might even be underrated, believe it or not, in my opinion. He's dumb. Um, what he, brings, he, 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 what he brings to the field. I used to think he. I, 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 I used to I used to feel some kind of way about him. I was like, ah, oh, whatever, whatever. But now he's a dumb. He, watching him against Seattle in that Super Bowl, 
I was like, this guy is a dominant player. He, he he's just dominant. Uh, Edelman's loss this year was a huge one. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely a huge loss, and and I, I think that Im- impacted Cooks a lot. He had some really big moments, but he wasn't consistent throughout the year. I mean, Randy Moss, his first year with New England, he he put up one of the greatest NFL seasons ever, statistic wise when you think about it. And he was actually overshadowed by Brady that year by what Brady did. But Brady doesn't James. get to any of those numbers without Moss. Yeah. Do you think, and this is, and this, I mean, I understand that he, that Randy Moss didn't play with a caliber, a quarterback of the caliber of Tom Brady his whole career. But do you think that the season he put up with the Patriots that first year, that amazing season, puts a blemish on him? Because it's almost like, if he really, if he had the work ethic of a, you know, your name said great receiver like Jerry Rice, or maybe you know Tim Brown or anybody, just the heart and just to go out there every single play and play, you know, to play like he did in New England, don't you think that he could have, he could have just been the greatest receiver of all time and also just shadow the record books. He would. No one's ever going to be better than Jerry Rice. You know, I'm, I'm going to draw the line at that. But he should have been up there. I mean, that had been his reputation his whole career that he didn't try hard enough. Um, he let the fans get to him and stuff like that. You've seen some of his actions on the field. Different type athlete. I know it's only you know he came into the league only a few years after Jerry Rice left, but it's just a different athlete coming in. His background with how he was you know, push through colleges or push through high schools just so that he can get to where he needed to be is a well-known fact. Um, does it blemish it? Yeah, it might. It probably does. Um, but where does that hold other coaches accountable? You know, think about other coaches not holding him accountable and really you get to Belichick and Belichick just, you know, doesn't put up with that stuff. Um, and he, he even wore his welcome out in, in New England, and he regrets it. He, he said it to this day. He regrets how he left New England. He probably should have ended his career there, but, you know, that's his whole career. So, yeah, if he had the work ethic of a Jerry Rice, he oh, would have been a uh, first was amazing. And, you know, and with the rule changes, the rules kept changing. Like, he, he could have blown the numbers away of, of what Rice put up, but – because of the two you different eras, the, the two different rules, yeah. Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time, in my opinion. You remember, um, obviously, the first Super Bowl with the Giants and uh, the Giants and the Patriots, right? So the yeah. Giants take the lead. The Giants take the lead on the Plaxico, the Plaxico Burst um, um, catch in the end zone, and then there was a play in that game that because the Patriots didn't win this game. Um, I thought it was one of the most amazing throws by Brady and one of the most almost almost one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen in my life. He threw a pass. I think that thing must have it felt like it went like seventy yards. And if if, if Moss came down with it, he almost came down with it, it would have been one of the greatest catches ever and it probably would have forced overtime in that Super Bowl. But that play, if you could ever if, if you have a chance, people out there, to just rewind that play and just look at how Look at the speed. Look at the agility, and look at the throw by Brady. I, my heart was my heart. My heart was pounding when that ball hit the ground. I couldn't believe when the ball. I, I didn't. I knew when the ball hit the ground, the game was over. But when I was in the air, I was like, "Moss is going to catch this." Okay, the whole time, yeah. The whole time I'm sitting there saying that. Even even with two defenders back there, 
Um, I thought Mac, I thought Moss was going to catch it. I mean, that year he was he was so incredible. It was like Brady to bring the Moss that season was a video game. It was like a video game on easy. It was Madden playing. It was, it was, it was playing Madden. It on was. Easy. It was. That was. It was that. It, was, it, was, it was incredible. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson at two hundred on uh, Tech Mobile. Like that's how those two combined all yeah. year long. Um, and a really the game great they played. Yeah, and and the, the game they played at the end of the year where Coughlin could have could have sat players, but he played everybody, whatever, whatever, because they were already in the playoffs. And he threw a bomb that a bomb down the sideline, just missed him. So yeah. instead of so so and then the next play with the same speed, I mean that is a hard that's all out like on that play. And and, and another and then the very next play there was another bomb on the dime to Moss. They win that game against the Giants, but then lose the Super Bowl. But that was just—I mean—that was really a, that was the whole those those encounters with the Patriots and the Giants were just so much history there. It's just so much back and forth with coaches and everything like that. It's so, so it's really amazing uh, kind of, to kind of watch that. Um, what do you feel like? You know, obviously he had the one Super Bowl, and to me, all you need is one. Like this whole idea that when people talk about, oh, so and so only has one Super Bowl, I'm like, dude, it's. it's it's a one and done tournament. It's not like it's not like um, you know basketball where you know eventually the better team is probably going to win because it's a four seven game series. What do you how do you feel about Drew Brees and where he stands, kind of in the history of the game? Because because cause he is winding down now. He signed a two year um you know fifty million dollar deal. He's probably going to be out of the league or probably going to you know retire the next couple after the next couple of years. How do you feel about Drew Brees and where he stands? Uh, Drew Brees again, another player I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'm a I'm a Michigan Wolverine college football fan, um, so I watch a lot of Big Ten games. Watching Drew Brees play for Purdue, um, what he did there, what he did with the Chargers, um, you know, and that's the old, you know, the knee injury causes the release with San Diego. He signed with the right franchise at the right time. Um, Drew Brees is a, a no brainer. Hall of Fame quarterback, even without a Super Bowl title, I consider Drew Brees a Hall of Fame quarterback. Has put up some incredible statistics throughout his career. Um, tough as nails, a leader. Um, he he leads that team. Um, yeah, you uh, you can't do much more than Drew Brees has done in his career. And I think the thing I love about him is because, and I saw early on when, when when he was with the Chargers, I was like, this kid, this dude is just so damn accurate. And and you, and you and it, it, it's amazing because he's not the tallest guy, but he's just on his tippy toes and, and he's able to throw darts all over the field. He, the accuracy from Drew Brees is absolutely amazing. So the Saints, I mean, I said the Saints talk about the Saints talk about the Panthers. Those are going to be some really, going to be some tough battles between those two franchises going forward um, next year. Um, as uh, as we talk about, uh, as we go through the the three teams, um, the Saints, the Panthers, and uh, Tennessee Titans. You thought the Lakers had a big game, James? Wait till you hear our guy, James Amato, on the Put On Waivers podcast. 